Welcome to Trine Days, The Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan. I am Bruce DeTaurus. With us is Chris Bennett, one of the foremost authorities on the history of cannabis. He's written dozens of articles for many magazines, including Cannabis Culture and High Times, and four books, two published by Trine Day, Cannabis and the Soma Solution, and Lieber 420, Cannabis, Magical Herbs, and the Occult. Gentlemen, it's great to be with you both. You know, I, I, I met Chris in, in Amsterdam. I'd, I'd been reading some of his writings. We were both uh, uh, writers for High Times, uh, some articles, and, and we got invited to the Conspiracy Cup. It was quite, uh, quite interesting because uh, High Times, well, they'd gotten rid of the hippies uh, several times, but they always had to bring them back because the printer said, hey, are you going to pay your bill? They had uh, fired in August of that year, Stephen Hager, who was, uh, they had to hire him back again, who had started the uh, Cannabis Cups. And he called this one the conspiracy one. And he, he brought uh, myself out there and Chris. And Chris and I were, were hanging out one time. And this, this guy came up and looked at us and says, well, who are you guys? And we said, well, Steve invited us. And he said, oh, I understand now. <laughs> I was in the middle of the, uh, middle of the hippie revolution or whatever you want to call it, the uh, class of 67. We were saying, well, you know, this, this stuff will be, be legal in, in five years. It'll, you know, it'll be, you know. And uh, they really pushed that hard so, so it wasn't. But finally, we made, it, we made it legal here in Oregon. You guys have it legal there in, well, I should say quasi-legal. Uh, At least we don't get thrown in jail for it, but it, it, it's not a tomato plant. They aren't treating it quite like a tomato plant. And Chris and I, you know, we, we met there in Amsterdam and, and you know, became friends. And, and uh, then later on, he contacted me about his book, Cannabis and Soma. And I said, sure. And, and we put it out and it didn't really, uh, we didn't get a, a, as big a spark off of it as we would have liked, but Libra 420 is, is starting to get some spark out there, uh, which is good. And then the other thing is, is all these big authors uh, are, you know, uh, laying a lot of uh, their revelations at, at Chris's feet because Chris was basically the, the first one to come across it there. Sula Bennett. Now, yeah, Sula Bennett was a Polish etymologist and anthropologist, and in uh, the 1930s, 1936, she wrote an essay about the uh, cultural use of cannabis, and in that essay suggested uh, for the first time that the Hebrew term cannabosum, which appears in canna, which appears in a number of places in the Old Testament, uh, was actually a reference to cannabis that had been and mistranslated as calamus when the uh, Hebrew texts were trans in, translated into the Greek, and this later followed in the Vulgate, the Latin translation, and, and, and later the, the King James as calamus. Uh, but it was actually evidence of a reference for cannabis. And I uh, um, took a look at uh, Bennett's essay and looked at these references, and one of the things I noticed about them is uh, the references went from very positive to negative in, in uh, uh, their descriptions of, of cannabosum. You know, very positive in Exodus 30, 23, where it's part of the holy anointing oil. 
and very negative in uh, Jeremiah 6.20, where it's condemned as the incense of Sheba and coming from a foreign land and associated with uh, the worship of foreign deities and other deities besides Yahweh, uh, the monotheistic ideals that were being put forth. And so I couldn't, you know, I, I, what I had to do after that is I had to like read the whole Bible to be able to understand the context of these of these uh, references, you know what I mean? And that, that really unveiled the whole thing and led into the early Christian period as well via the anointing oil that was described in Exodus 30, 23. And the fact that the term Christ means, uh, is, the, is the Greek of the Messiah, which means the anointed one. It makes direct reference to the same holy anointing oil. Once I uh, uh, became a vegetarian, uh, I, I went through and, and, and started uh, and read the, through the whole Bible too, especially the New Testament, because I wanted to find out how come, you know, the Hebrews didn't kill a dove every time a, a kid was 12, you know, anymore. And, and I definitely think that uh, cannabis has had a very long history uh, with people and has a, had a very long history with the uh, uh, spirituality uh, of people. Now, the, the cannabis soma, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your journey on that and, and how you had to fight uh, the uh, Wasson understanding? Well, soma, for those who don't know about it, is this uh, uh, religious sacrament that was written about in the Rig Veda, which is the... Uh, the holy books of the uh, people that uh, came into India, and this is the foundation of modern Hinduism as well. This is also connected with another sacrament of another religion with a very similar sounding name, Hayoma. And this is the sacrament of the Avesta. And uh, the worshipers of, uh, were known as the, the Mazdians, but they later became the Zoroastrians after one of their uh, prophets, Zoroaster. Because of the similarity of the sacrament and also the cosmology, it's believed that both of these religions can be identified with an earlier religion and that it split off at some point and started taking on some local flavor over the centuries. And so the, the identical sacrament is at the core of this. Our Gordon Wasson uh, popularized the idea that this religious sacrament was uh, the fly agaric mushroom. And Wasson um, based his theory on the use of Amanita muscarias uh, mushrooms by Siberian shaman, and Siberia has been thought to be the homeland of uh, of the ancestors that the the the, the users of Hayoma and Soma uh, came out of, right? Um, and he also said that they ritually drank urine, and to identify this, he used a much much later text where urine is drunk in uh, 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 in an exchange between a god uh, figure, an incarnated god, and a and a, a yogi. And the rain, um, reindeer, was it reindeer urine? No, no uh, it was human urine in, in, in uh, um, both cases, but you can't drink reindeer urine too. Uh, um, but human urine is also reconsumed both in Siberia and also in this account. The account in the Hindu thing, though, has nothing to do with mushrooms. Uh, urine has uh, got medicinal qualities in the Indian world. Uh, um, and uh, is consumed by, uh, you know, Tibet and other things like that <clears throat> for health reasons, for yogic health reasons. It's not something I'm into, but it's just a fact of the matter is there's urine therapy out there is, is, is a thing that people are doing, not, that, not, that, not something I'm pursuing. And um, Wasson 
he discluded the 10th mandala, which describes the plant soma, clearly describes it as a green and purple tree, uh, um, describes the process of, of the making of it, which is very similar to the modern preparation of bong, a drink in India consumed, uh, see that's pulverized and then prepared with milk and water and things. And uh, he discluded that completely saying, well, that was written after the identity was lost. And he turned to all these descriptions of the moon, round shape and that type of thing, uh, which have nothing to do with the plant soma. Um, initially, I was, you know, just accepted it as fact because so many of the people, uh, my mentors and people that I read just went along with this idea that uh, um, soma was the amanita muscaria mushroom. But I started getting indications that that may not be the case and then coming across other authors, largely Indian authors, actually, you know, uh, Indian researchers and stuff like that. Yeah, I, have, I don't know of any uh, respected Indian scholars who, who have gone with the fly Garrick theory. No. And I started digging deeper and deeper. And then as well, archaeological material has arrived, right? And so my view is, based on the modern archaeological evidence, and the etymological and all the evidence around is we've discovered uh, Indo-European cultures are largely behind this in both the Zoroastrian and in the Vedic case. And uh, um, we know that Indo-European culture was using cannabis 2,800 years ago from evidence emerging out of China, where there were Indo-European uh, groups known as the Gushi. And they have found uh, uh, cannabis preserved very well in a number of tombs in China and, and, and show how it was used. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you pretty much uh, showed it and proved it there in your book. What type of uh, pushback have you gotten from uh, Wasson uh, devotees or whatnot? Mostly they just ignore it. Uh, um, I did have one guy, uh, Michael Crowley, a really spurious researcher in his book, uh, Sacred Drugs of, uh, Secret Drugs of Buddhism. Uh, uh, he totally misrepresents uh, the case that was put forth uh, in order to dismiss it. But it's like the, the, the job he does of trying to break down the case is just laughable. It's like, you know, you can look up any of the stuff he's saying and it's, it's just not there. I, I kind of, I think I heard the feelings of one of my mentors, Professor Carl Ruck. He reviewed my book, Sex, Drugs, Violence in the Bible in the London, England Sunday Times. What I like about cannabis is you're left less to speculation of, oh, this sounds like it could be describing a mushroom. And uh, in the case of cannabis, we have hard archeological evidence as well, the, 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 the word cannabis, the root word for it, kana, you know, it's Proto-Indo-European. It's like the oldest form of word that we have, even before the Indo-European culture developed and then split off into all the variations all over the old world uh, of Indo-European culture through Europe and uh, Asia and all these different places into India. Cannabis was already a word and already being used by the Indo-European people, right? So that's how far back our cultural relationship and heritage and the archeological evidence is there that shows that, you know what I mean? Like fiber wise, probably like they, they figure currently 28,000 years uh, evidence of burning cannabis based on just an archeological evidence, like 5,500 years, right? Uh, um, so this is like a pretty old relationship, older than the Bible or anything like that, certainly. Right. I, I, you know, I do think that mushrooms have been involved, uh, you know, in uh, oh, yeah. our development. And, you know, you have the uh, psilocybin are found all over the world. And the, the interesting thing yeah. with psilocybin 
where cows go, you, you have psilocybin, you know? And so I've always found that interesting from the, from the Hindi standpoint and their uh, uh, reverence for the cow. But now let me ask you about the internet. How has the internet helped your research? You know, I think by that that's really what's got the information. You know, the, the idea about cannabosum and then Jesus healing with cannabis, they've outgrown me, you know what I mean? They've taken yeah. on a life of their own. People tell me about it, right? You know what I mean? I think they're laying it down on me. Oh, you know about the holy anointing? You know, Jesus healed with cannabis? And I didn't realize, like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's where all of it began. And now that this archaeological evidence out of Arad, Jerusalem, from 2,800 uh, years ago, that documents that the, the, the Jew, aged Jews were, in fact, burning cannabis resin uh, inside temples, and, uh, you, you know, you, for inspiration purposes, just as I described it, it's given me a lot of credibility with people that, that, that have been following my work. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> hopefully one day that pans out to better book sales for you. But, uh, yeah, the information, like I say, it's just gotten all over the place. Well, Libra 420 is, again, uh, some seminal work on the study of cannabis through the ages I, you know, I really find that that a, a tour de force uh, of history of showing that, you know, uh, cannabis didn't go away. It just kind of went in the shadows. You know, when, when I started uh, um, Libra 420, I thought that I'd maybe be able to get like a chapter on the medieval Renaissance period out of everything that I would be able to find, you know, and that the whole book would be 19th century occultism and Crowley and stuff like that. I had to cut most of that stuff out uh, once I really started researching because there was so much material, you know, and we happen to live in this like really wonderful age of the internet, you know what I mean, where the access to information has is like at no other time in history, even in the great libraries of Alexandria. And you can use things like Google Books, you know, and select what century you want to search. And libraries have scanned in tons of books from uh, the 16th, 15th, 17th century. And the lucky thing about cannabis, as I mentioned, the word's very old. So the, the Latin variation cannabis is often spelled exactly the same as our modern term cannabis. And there's some slight variations. So if you know that, you can go through like massive libraries worth of books in one simple search and then start to narrow it down to relevant material. So I was able to find actual alchemical recipes with cannabis, actual magical grimoires with cannabis recipes and other material like that that was lost and forgotten uh, uh, until I started doing those searches. The, uh, you know, the Pantagruelian, who's the author of yeah. that? Francois Rabelais, he was a, uh, a 15th, 16th century monk and bachelor of medicine and an alchemist. And he wrote this great parody, um, Gargantuan Pantagruel, which was a tale of two giants, but encoded in it, it was also a mockery of church and state, and he incorporated all these alchemical secrets in it. And he had three chapters on cannabis uh, written under the code name, the Herd Pantagruelian. We know the references to cannabis because he copied stuff from Pliny and earlier authors who were directly about cannabis. And uh, he called himself a master of the quintessence. And a quintessence was an alcoholic extraction of herbs. And there's numerous recipes to cannabis quintessences uh, from well-known alchemists like Cardano and Lolly and, and, and other figures as well. Avicenna, 
uh, going all the way back to Zosimos, uh, you know, in the in fourth century, right? One of the earliest alchemical figures. Uh, um, so it's clear that, you know, uh, that's, this is what uh, Rabelais was hinting at. Rabelais is also uh, a big figure in modern occultism because of his influence on Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley took his word, Philema, and the law of Philema, uh, do as thou wilt, from Rabelais' gargantuan Panagruel. Yep, yep, yep. No, it's just uh, amazing what you put together and all those things that you uh, pulled in. Now, also, the Green Man and, and Robin Hood, you, you, you brought in some references to that. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Green Man is a kind of a reoccurring figure. And a lot of people see this as like this global archetypal figure related to even uh, uh, the Islamic figure, Qadar, the green one, who, who's like this reoccurring figure that lives all through history. And he's associated with hashish. Hashish brings the spirit of Qadar, the green one. And in, uh, um, uh, in Europe, we have uh, Robin Goodfellow. Uh, he's like uh, a figure depicted looking much like the, the devil with the cloven hooves and horns and stuff like that. But his catchphrase is hemp and hampen. And he's, his stories are often tales of hemp and, uh, uh, you know, how he breaks the, down the stalks into the fiber for making cloth by banging a woman on it, you know, instead of beating it with sticks and, and clever tales like that, you know. And uh, um, uh, this is also connected to this, the stories of Robin Hood who uh, many see as like a, the, his merry man, the 12 merry men, it's like a witch's coven or something like that. So there's been a lot written about that as well, you know. Robin Goodfellow is also part of uh, the entourage that follows uh, uh, um, Oberon, the king of the fairies around, you know. And uh, Oberon's, uh, uh, in poems about him, it tells about people riding to the meetings of the fairies on hemp stalks. And Shakespeare was aware of all this, you know, and I, I do have a chapter on Shakespeare in the book as I interviewed uh, two professors who uh, tested pipes found on the property that belonged to Shakespeare from the time period that, they, that he lived in based on their idea that Shakespeare was a secret cannabis user, and they did in fact find evidence of cannabis resins in these pipes. Uh, but Shakespeare, you know, makes reference to Robin Goodfellow and his tale, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. He uh, um, even has him use a line about hemp in there. What hemp and homespuns are these? And, uh, it, you know, there's a, actually a grimoire to Oberon, who's also a big figure in a Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, the Book of Oberon has been republished uh, recently. And in that, there's a recipe for seeing uh, devils and spirits with cannabis. Uh, and it's pretty clear that there was a lot of knowledge about that at this time period in, in Europe as well. We see this with uh, Dr. John Dee and Edward Kelly as well, where there's clear references to the uses of psychoactive substances in their mirror scrying sessions. Yeah. Now, now also in, in, in Libra 420, you talk about these um, almost uh, theatrical performances with uh, lenses and stuff and they would have these shows yeah it's a phantasmagoria it's actually the origins of cinema as well and right. they would use simple uh, uh uh projectors what we call a slide projector and they had hand-painted slides because this was before photography and the slides themselves were actually often mechanical so you could pull a lever this way and it would make the eyes turn or you could pull another level down and the mouth would open you know and they would take these projectors and then they would have like a smoky uh, conjuration and they would 
put the projectors from an angle where the people on the other side couldn't see and it projected the image into the smoke. And then the combination of the smoke and the image, and then somebody talking as they move the mouth or roll the eyes, you know, people thought that they were actually seeing visions. And at these uh, uh, ceremonies, sometimes they were like Masonic initiations, like in Scottish Rites Freemasonry. Sometimes there were seances and, and, and the figures that were behind these were uh, uh, Johann Schroffer and Carl uh, uh, von Eckertschossen. And um, they would uh, uh, often drug the people that were attending the event with a punch or they have incense burning that we burning who knows what, you know what I mean? Eckhart Chatzin refers to nightshades, the stuff in his incenses. So those can have a pretty powerful effect on you. And then combined with this, with secret servants, you know, hiding behind walls, making noises and scre screaming out and various uh, of these uh, uh, magic lanterns set up at strategic locations, people were quite convinced that they had seen ghosts and stuff like that would run out of there horrified. But even after it was exposed as a fraud, People said, I don't care. That was so much fun. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> and it became a whole kind of like carnival sideshow thing that eventually led into the modern era of cinema and haunted houses on Halloween and that type of thing. So, so what, what do you think uh, the future of cannabis is going to be? What, what you know? Do you have any ideas about the future? I think the cannabis is the paradigm shift, man. You know, like uh, we've got two futures ahead of us. We've got the, uh, the, the petroleum world promised by the Trumps and the Koch brothers and those type of people, you know, which is causing global warming and mass pollution and death of our oceans and the death of us eventually if we follow that route. Oh, we have this greener kind of future that, 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 that cannabis and the psychedelics promises, you know what I mean? And cannabis in my mind, is the healing of the nations, the tree of life, man, the return of Soma Hyoma, the world sacrament. And it treats us on so many levels. You know, we can take a look at the environment, the world that we live in and how it's dying because of the way we've been treating it. And cannabis can promise us a regreening of the planet through hemp. We can make all of our paper from, you know, hemp and Instead of cutting down trees, hemp, a renewable crop, makes it much more efficiently than trees. One acre of hemp will produce as much paper as four acres of trees over the same 20-year period. We could replace fossil fuels even with biomass fuels. You know, we can replace soil-depleting cotton. We, have, we can make plastics and all these types of things out of it. And then physically, disease-wise, you know, people are curing epilepsy. It's like a miracle. This was one of the miracles of Jesus with the holy anointing oil. Epilepsy was thought to be demonic possession up until medieval time. And uh, people are seeing their children cured of epilepsy, you know, at least the epilepsy is stopping the symptoms of the, of the epilepsy. Its effects for cancer are becoming renowned. The cannabis medicine has revolutionized the field of medicine through the discovery of the endocannabinoid system and how it works on the human body. It's one of the biggest revolutions of medicine of the last century. And uh, um, then religiously, we're starting to find out now that cannabis was a world sacrament. It was used by the ancient Jews. It was the Soma Helma. It was used by the Taoists in China. It was used by the Buddha and Buddhists, you know? And so this is like all coming Christians to light, man. Too. Yeah. That's right. By the early Christians, you know? And we see that becoming more and more popular. And I think that's where all this is heading. You know, we take a look at 
the popularity of the immortality key, you know, and I should mention that Marescu read three of my books before he read, read the immortality key. His mentor, Professor Carl Ruck, had reviewed my book on cannabis and the Bible, sex, drugs, violence, and the Bible in the London England Sunday Times, referring to specifically to my references to infused wines uh, being used as Christian sacraments. And Hancock, who wrote the foreword, I did the article on the Arad Jerusalem on his site. This information is getting out, and I'm stoked to see the, the success of the immortality key. Don't get me wrong here. Uh, uh, but I, I do see that things are progressing, and it is going to come back to Christianity and this early Christian use of cannabis as a holy anointing oil. And I should probably describe a bit of that because uh, it's pretty clear. You know, Jesus baptizes none of the disciples, but in the oldest of the synoptic gospels, Mark, he does send out the 12 apostles with anointing oils to heal the sick and cast out demons. And casting out demons often meant curing somebody of epilepsy, starting stopping those shakes. All those symptoms were seen as demonic possession. And we know that cannabis was used uh, for this purpose because there's a Syrian references to the same thing. They called it hand of ghost because they thought, you know, ghost was reaching his hand into somebody and making him shake. And cannabis oil was used for the treatment of that, you know. And in the Gnostic text, it becomes even clearer. They talk about it, the use of it for straightening the crooked limb, limbs. You know, it's used for skin diseases and things like that, all these types of things. Uh, um, so it's pretty clear that they're talking about something that's medicinal, but something that's also uh, spiritual, because they say both in the New Testament and in the Gnostic texts uh, that who has the anointing doesn't require a teacher. They have, uh, they have the experience themselves. You know what I mean? And then, the, you know, the, the, the Eucharist itself, you know, you can tie this back to uh, Mithraism and uh, in uh, the immortality key ties it in with uh, Dionysius. And there's a lot of evidence that cannabis is involved in the cult of Dionysius as well. Uh, you know, then there's the connections between Dionysius and Shiva. When Alexander the Great went into India, and the worshippers of Dionysius and the worship of, worshippers of Shiva recognized each other as brothers and embraced and this was thought to be the agent homeland of Dionysius. Alexander thought he had discovered the homeland of Dionysius. Yeah, so, you know, and I, I want to add a little, little karmic thing here, because, you know, uh, remember when they uh, made uh, marijuana, well, they didn't really make it illegal to possess because we still hadn't been dumbed down at that point in time. And so all they did was they put a a hundred dollar tax on it. Okay, they didn't make it illegal. Right. Uh, they just put a tax on it. You know, one of the main reasons was because uh, hemp cannabis is the largest competitor to oil. Oil is not dead dinosaurs. Oil is abiotic. They did a, a test down in Houston a while back, and they took some uh, mantle rocks and put them under intense uh, pressure. And guess what? They started to get methane. And basically. Oil, you know, we've got these tectonic plates and stuff, you know, and oil is the stuff that, that makes it so that those things don't, you know, we don't have violent earthquakes all the time. You know, oil isn't supposed yeah. to, they, they, they go back to these oil wells that they thought were empty and all of a sudden they've got oil back in them, you know, it's because oil is abiotic, you know, I mean, we've been told so many lies. I really, what do you, what do you mean by abiotic, Chris? Abiotic means that it's um, made without oxygen, kind of. I mean, it, it's it, it's produced in the ground. Okay? Right. The earth produces petroleum or produces the oil. Right. Right. 
cannabis is a big part of this karmic thing where they tried to say, okay, get this out of here. Because I mean, think about it. How, how many years have people been on this planet? You know, a couple of million, right? How many years has, has cannabis been illegal? You know, basically they didn't make it illegal to possess, okay, uh, federally until uh, Leary got busted at the border. Yeah. And uh, now here in Oregon, I can grow my own and then I can bring it into the house and not have to worry about the man. How, how, how nice is that? And I really yeah. want to thank you, Chris, for the work that you have done for mankind, really. You have uncovered this and you've got a lot of people standing on your shoulders now. So I really appreciate, and we're going, like I say, we, we're, we're starting a thing on, on uh, Facebook and we're gonna be uh, featuring uh, your book. I have to fight with them because Facebook has been uh, quasi not allowing things from marijuana, but you know you can get some through and yep. whatnot. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna yeah, shadow bans on a lot of it. Right, right. We're really we're really gonna push. It. And then this new book, uh, History of the Goddess from the Ice Age to the Bible, uh, relies a lot on your work. And I'm you're gonna you're gonna really enjoy that book too. And I just want to say uh, thank you, Chris, for. Uh, your books before uh, we printed them, the one about cannabis and the Bible, and then cannabis and Soma and Libra 420. I really appreciate and applaud your work. And I want to thank you very much for coming on and talking to people about it. Well, thanks for taking it on when you did. It was It's controversial work. It's always been hard to uh, get this type of stuff published. And I appreciate a publisher who uh, was willing to take on the gamble, you know, and I hope it pays off in the in the longer term, you know, hopefully Libra 420 leads to some more interest to cannabis and the Soma solution because it's an important book and that information should be out there. Right. Onwards. <laughs>